Good morning. It is a uh, honor and a privilege to be able to look into and be able to read God's word once again. The scripture reading for this morning will be taken from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 25, we will read through 32. As we stand. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you. As various and sundry people are work making their way out, I invite you to take your copy of the scriptures. And to turn with me uh, to that passage that we looked at, Ephesians, uh, that we read, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. This morning we want to continue in our, our look at uh, chapter 4, and, and of course the verses uh, 24 through 29, we've been going uh, through this particular portion for a while now. Uh, we said that there are three components to living a new, clean life, the kind that pleases God. Uh, and this particular passage addressed that. Uh, in verse 25, it says we are to speak truth in our hearts. In verse 26, it says we are to be angry and yet not sin. And in verse 28, it says that he who steals needs to stop stealing. And when we looked at this particular passage, I said that the three components of a fresh start are a change in my heart. And verse 25 addresses that because it speaks of, talks of speaking truth and truth is spoken in the heart. And then a change in my head. And this is what we ended up uh, last week talking about a change in my head because a change in my head has to deal with this issue of anger because anger is an emotional response, but it happens to change when we change how we think. And then, of course, a change in my habits, which we'll look at next week, verse uh, 28 and um, verses 31 through 32. So last week we talked about anger and when it's bad to be mad and when it isn't. Of course, we looked at uh, Mark 11, verses 15 through 18 to see that anger isn't always bad, 
In fact, anger is an emotional response only. It only becomes bad when it's allowed to linger. And this morning, we want to talk about what that lingering looks like. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for all that you allow us to do and see and be. Thank you, as always, for the very first hour of the Sunday school hour. And we thank you uh, for those who labor tirelessly uh, in uh, learning at your feet that they may lead out in the discovery process in our Sunday school hour. Uh, thank you for the time that they put in. Bless them, Father, our teachers, and continue to use them. Uh, thank you also for allowing us to sing. And, and uh, Father, I, I don't want to minimize nor take for granted the work uh, that our brother Toby and the praise team does. Thank you for the work that they put in uh, tirelessly and ceaselessly, but not effortlessly. Father, they put in a lot of time, and I thank you for their labors. And, and I pray for them, Father, continue to strengthen and bless them also. Uh, Father, we also thank you uh, for each one here that we can assemble and, and give uh, to greet and encourage and love on one another. Um, making our time together, our fellowship, sweet and precious. And now, Father, as I consider it the most important part, uh, just being able to sit at your feet. Uh, I love learning as you teach me. And I thank you, Father, that you love us enough to do so. So we would ask for still hearts and quieted minds that we might receive with meekness what you say, and not allow it to go in one ear and out the other, but that, Father, our hearts may apply the truth, that we may walk out what you are working in. By Satan, as we always ask, we, we don't want him to hinder what we do because we want to hear from you. And we pray that uh, he will not be allowed to do anything uh, to take away from your time with us at this time and our time with you. So, Father, we do commit to you um, that we will listen attentively and that we will give you the praise and the honor and the thanksgiving for all that you say to us. And we're thanking you for these things and asking for your blessings in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. There was a Chinese physician many years ago uh, who made a lot of discoveries with respect to uh, disease states. And what he found was if there was a particular disease, if there was a <laughs> poison uh, that can precipitate the disease, that if he took the poison and diluted it, you know, sometimes one part in 20, one part in 50, one part in 100, what he could do is he could reintroduce diluted portions of the poison and it would actually begin to negate the disease. And, of course, he wrote all of his findings in a little notebook that someone stole. Um, it was, it was uh, thought that some drug sto uh, agency stole that so that they could make money off of the ideas. We don't know. But it was interesting as I read that story to think that, you know, there are things that in small measures uh, can be healthy. 
it's only when it get it accumulates to higher, larger levels that it becomes dangerous. And anger is like that. Anger is one of those things that it's not a sin to be angry. Anger is just a re, an emotional response. But Paul gives us a warning in this passage. He says, "Be angry, uh, but don't sin." <laughs> He says, don't, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because anger by itself, the emotional response is given by God. And as we looked at last week, there were uh, at least five characteristics of what I, what I would call righteous anger. Uh, and that's why we looked at Mark 11. Christ was angry, but he did not sin. So anger is an emotional response that's normal, but we can't allow it to just hang around. Because if we do, if it accumulates in the body, if it accumulates in the mind and the heart, then it can make us sick. And we begin to do things that are not right to do. So we looked at five characteristics of righteous anger last week. <clears throat> One is altruistic. Uh, it's not selfish, but it's concerned about others. Um, it doesn't nurse grudges. Uh, it's, it's directed. It's not a, like a temper tantrum uh, like uh, we looked at Ahab. Uh, it's usable uh, because it, it addresses a particular defect such as Paul did with Peter in Galatians chapter 2. And, and it's controlled. It's controlled. It's, it's not something that just runs all over the place. It has boundaries and it's like God. God is, he's angry with the wicked, but you know, God, he doesn't stay angry. And we ought to be like him. So this morning, I want us to look at uh, this verse, the second part of verse 26. Last week was be angry and don't sin. But this morning, I want to talk about do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil it says an opportunity, but the word tapos is, is a place of residence. And then we'll drop down to 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So let's talk about this matter of what I would call unrighteous anger. The problem with unrighteous anger, I give you this definition. Anger is just a strong emotional reaction of displeasure, but it often leads to plans for revenge or punishment. See, you, you let anger hang around too long, and pretty soon Satan's going to give you a reason to act on it and how to do it. And so we don't want to give vent to our anger. I like uh, St. Ephraim's statement. He says, what a chain of evils. Does that man prepare for himself who is a slave to anger? He is the murderer of his own soul. Yea, to the letter he is so, for he lives in a continual torment. I say, if you're angry with someone, it's like you locked them in the prison. But you know, as long as they're in prison, you have to stand guard over the prison. So you're not free either continual torment. He is devoured by an inward fire and his body partakes of his sufferings. You know, anger lowers your immune system. Did you know that? 
terror reigns around him. Everyone dreads lest the most innocent, the most trifling occurrence may give him a pretext for quarrel or may arouse him into a fury. I told you about the man who was driving down the highway. He saw a guy that had um, his his, uh, gasoline tank thing was open. So he honked his horn to want to warn him. And he said that guy pulled out a gun and shot in his car. You know, Aaron Lavender, Dr. Lavender, he said he was dry. He pulled up to a stop sign one time, and this guy pulled up the side and well, the red light. And the guy was playing. You know, some people feel like everybody in the world deserves to hear their music. You know, and your heart, you, your car is shaking, and you're not even playing the radio, right? They got it going so loud. He said, I almost said to myself, roll the window down and say, fool, turn that down. He said, no way. (laughs) You never know what people are going to do because people are crazy, right? There are some people that it it, it doesn't take much to push them over the edge at all. A passionate man is odious alike to God and man and is insupportable even to himself. Anger can be deadly. That's why Paul says, be angry, but don't sin. He's quoting Psalm 4.4. But right there in that verse, David gives us a, he gives us a strategy. He says, be angry and do not sin. But then he says, meditate within your heart on your bed. In other words, and be still. Meditate, in other words, think about it. (laughs) You know, when people are angry, they're in their feelings. They're emotional. But emotion is the opposite of reason. So he's saying, be angry, but don't sin. Think about it. If if you think, that's why last week we we gave you the acrostic terms. The first one, the, the T, is you need to think because when when you're emotionally involved, then you if you nurse the hurt, then you act out. But you may want to think about what you're doing. If you think about it and you ask yourself, why? Why am I emotional? Why am I upset? Why am I put out? What is it about what he said or what she said that, that caused me to be so resentful? And, and if I act on it, if I do something then what are going to be the consequences? And, and do I want to pay the price for that? Because sometimes the consequences can be quite high. So he said, meditate on it. Think about it while you're on your bed. That's why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then be still. Don't get up and do something because <laughs> you might do the wrong thing. Be still. The problem with anger Let's talk about the causes of anger. Now, there are three, I'm not saying that these are the only three causes of anger. But these are three things that I think uh, cause anger. Number one uh, might be hereditary. There are some people that, and their personality is such that, that they're very, very emotional. You know, if, if you are, are Mediterranean, I, I, don't, I don't see her. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you're Mediterranean or if you know someone who is Mediterranean, especially if, if they're Middle Eastern, you, you'll notice a couple of things. Number one, they can erupt at a moment's notice. 
And then they talk with their hands and they can go at it, go at it, go at it. And you think, man, they're angry with each other. They're not going to speak for months. Next thing you know, they're cooking together. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, they're just emotional, but they just get it out. Some people are just wired that way. And, and they're just very, very sensitive. And some of us are not sensitive at all. Or not as sensitive. Okay, put it like that. Some people have that personality. Some people are, are, are socially inhibited and they're angry. Uh, sometimes people, they, they can't do the things they want to do because society censures them. Uh, you know, we had an instance of that a few months back, right? Um, there was a trans person, this, this, this woman, and she, in Tennessee, she was upset and what she did. And she went to the Christian school, remember? And she killed six people, right? And the thing is, you know, they, she put a manifesto. She's got all of this media material and things she wrote, and the government won't release it. <laughs> uh, but, of course, you know, somebody always, somebody snapped pictures of three of the pages and leaked it to Politico, right? And then what you find is, is that she's angry. Number one, she's angry because she has gender dysphoria, and the traditionalists in society, I would say the normal people, but the traditionalists in society uh, think that that lifestyle is taboo. And so she doesn't feel free to express herself. And, and then, you know, the people at the top who champion the causes of those who are morally perverse have said, listen, you're a victim. So she feels like a victim. And, and then, of course, uh, she feels like even though uh, she's white, she talks about those white people of privilege who uh, they come to the school driving their parents' Mustangs, you know. They, they have, they're people of means, and, and she's not a person of means. And so she's nursing the hurt. She's angry. She's frustrated. And then she takes it out on people. And some people, they're like that, and they... They feel that they've been the, the victim, they've been discriminated against, and they have a right to be angry. And then, you know, in our society, we tell everybody they're victims, right? Doesn't matter who you are. Sometimes your victimhood is ethnic, sometimes it's gender, um, sometimes, you know, it can be anything. It may be how much money you have, you, everybody's a victim. And so nobody's happy. And everybody has something to complain about. Nobody's grateful. People are oft angry in our society. That's why you, you know, those kids riding on the college campuses for the PLO, and they reminded me of Acts 19.32, where it says uh, Paul, he's preaching uh, about Christ, and, and people are getting saved, and the next thing you know, Demetrius He's looking at the fact that you know, Demetrius is a silversmith. He makes little shrines to Diana, you know, the, the pagan god, the fertility god, uh, Artemis, as she's called. And, of course, he finds the people getting saved. They ain't coming by his little trinkets. Demetrius is losing money, and he's not happy. And so then he 
goes out and he gets the artist and say, you know, we're, we're, we're the champions for Diana. And that Paul, he's, he's rallying everybody saying, this God is no God. And he's about to throw over all of our business. And everybody's upset, right? And so they start a riot. They're marching and they're writing and complaining. And by the time they get to the town square, people are so angry, they're beating up folk. And Luke says this in 1932. He says, most of the people who came had no idea why they were there. They're just upset. They don't know why. They're mad about something to be mad about. And sometimes like that. People are just angry because they don't know what's going on. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, the communists used to rally dissidents together, and they would call those people useful idiots because they didn't know why they were there. But like sheep, you could just herd them to your cause. Some people are angry because of family background. You know, you may have (laughs) grown up in a home where you weren't free to express your displeasure, obviously, because you're still here, right? Um, any any uh, remark that had a tone to it could get you backhanded, right? And so you just, you didn't say anything. It's not that you didn't feel it. You just didn't say it. But the feeling still didn't go away. You just went in your room, right? Because they couldn't see you. They might say, what you doing in there? Nothing, right? And so, you know, you, you had all of this. You, you just didn't feel free to express what you felt. But that doesn't mean that you weren't angry. You just learned to repress your anger. And anger that's repressed never stays repressed ultimately. It erupts eventually. And, and that's what we see. Anger is not a safe thing. There there were some examples in Scripture of people who were angry. Cain, you remember, in Genesis 4, was so angry. Why? Because God said, no, I don't want that. And he didn't want to hear that. And Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, Abel, he got his sacrifice accepted. He didn't like that either. So as they were discussing it, Cain killed his brother over that because of anger. God warned him. He says, sin lies at the door. It's desirous to have you, but you got to master that. But Cain didn't master it. He let it stew, and it got the better of him. Simeon and Levi, you know, in Genesis 34, they butchered an entire village of men. The, you know, one man... Shechem raped their sister. That wasn't right to do. But Shechem wanted to marry the girl. And so then Simeon and Levi said, well, you know, we're going to pay him back for that. It's not right for him to do that to our sister. So they said, hey, we're going to, we'll intermarry with you guys. Uh, You know, you can have our sister to be your wife. But, you know, we can't marry somebody that's not circumcised. All, all y'all got to be circumcised. Now, now, some of us, brothers, we would be like, <coughs> no, <laughs> right? I got my wife. I got my family, right? I'm, if that's Shechem and Hamor, y'all do it if y'all want to. But I'm not doing that. 
Oh, but see what happens, and, and that's why I put 30, 20 to 24. Because what they do is they come to the men and they say, well, listen, uh, if, if we intermarry with these people and, and take their daughters to be our wives and give our daughters to be their wives, you know, I mean, we can intermarry. And, and then they say this, will not their property, their sheep, their land, everything that belongs to them become ours? Listen, guys, we intermarry with them, man. We'll make off really well. They got a lot of stuff, and we can get our hands on some of that stuff. And so the guys bought into that, and they got circumcised, you know. As I put in my notes, you know, I'm like, Hamor, the father, and, and Shechem, because of their own selfish desire, they they pointed out a financial opportunity that resulted in the destruction of an entire community. Now, at this point, I'm not going to say anything about where we are politically. I'm not going to mention people whose sons have uh, financial ties with oligarchs in Ukraine, which may be why we're fighting a war in Ukraine. Or that a particular family has political and financial ties and have received millions of dollars from China, which is why some of the sanctions against China lifted. Or the ties with Iranian businessmen, which have resulted in things being lifted. I'm not going down that road because that would be conjecture. I'm just saying I've seen that, that movie before. And when it plays out today, you know, in the end, it's always about the Benjamins, you know. But anyway, I digress. Jonah. Now, we went over this Wednesday. Jonah's even mad at God. Now, you know you got a problem when you're mad at God. Saul, the first king of Israel, was so angry that when his son defended David, he picked up a spear and threw it at his head to kill him. Some people just have anger issues. What do the scriptures say about the dangers of anger? Proverbs 29, verse 11 says, A fool always loses his temper. That one thing about a fool. He's mad all the time. <laughs> you know, um, someone asked me last, you know, about last week's sermon. <laughs> I say you can tell when a person's angry because there's uh, three words, uh, there's a word, uh, three ways. I use the acrostic say, right? One is they speak a foreign language, <laughs> French. A, they avoid. I didn't give you the third one. Well, then they asked me about it. What's the third one? <laughs> well, the third one is yell. You know, you, people are angry. They tend to yell. I didn't get that one because I didn't want none of y'all to say, well, Pastor, you yell all the time. <laughs> I don't want you all to call me the angry pastor because I'm not. I just get animated about certain things. Anyway, uh, a, a wise person, holds they hold their anger back. Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
you know, sometimes, um, you know, people are, they'll, they'll be, um, you, you do something that doesn't make a lot of sense to do, and someone will lovingly correct you. They'll say, well, you, you shouldn't have done that. And you say, well, yeah, I know, you're, you're right. You think that would be the end of it, but they're like, well, because, see, if, when you do that, this happens. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. And when this happens, because you know you do this all the time, and, and they, just, they just keep going on and on. And you, I heard you the first time, and they just won't stop. They got to explain all of the reasons why you shouldn't have done what you did. <clears throat> and by the time, you know, they get done, 15 minutes later, you mad at everybody. Right? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that that happens to you guys or that it happens to anybody that I know. I'm, I'm just saying that I've heard of instances where that happens. <clears throat> a harsh word, sometimes it stirs up anger. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people get angry with us not because they don't want to hear it, but because they don't want to keep hearing it. And we may not know when to cut it off. And Satan uses that to drudge up anger. James says this, you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I didn't push that button. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger of man never achieves the righteousness of God. Because when we get angry, we stay angry, and then we do stuff that is not righteous. What happens when I get angry and I let it nurse and stay and, you know, I let the devil have his way? Well, let me give you four actions that flow out of unresolved conflicts. When I, I don't deal, Paul says in verse 31, he says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, that's, that, that's the King James, the New King James. I put the New Living Translation because I like what they said. It says, get rid of it. Now, what's the difference? Sometimes, you know, you put stuff away. Like, you know, my wife, she has uh, these boxes, right? And maybe you do this yourself, right? And then in the summertime, um, she puts all of her sweaters and thick clothes in it, you know, and she puts it away. And then when it gets cold again, she brings it back. And then she puts those clothes out and she puts her summer stuff away because, I mean, she has too much for it to just hang up in one spot, you know. I shouldn't have put that part in, shouldn't I? <laughs> I keep going, I'll make her angry. <laughs> But, you know, she, she does that. But, see, the thing is, when, when she puts those things away, it's not permanent because her intention is to bring them back out again. Well, Paul doesn't say, put away your bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and bring them back when it's convenient. No, he's saying get rid of it. Do it like you do. You know, I, I discovered something you know, about my closet. There are, you know, I find that if, if I hang clothes up in my closet, if they stay in there too long, they'll shrink. You ever notice that? 
I don't know what it is about the closet, but the, the, the clothes get smaller when, when I go to get them again. So it's got to be the closet. It's got to be, right? But what that means is I, there's some, some things that I ain't ever going to wear again. It don't make sense to tie up hanger space with those things. They ain't ever coming off the rack, right? What do you do? You get rid of them. Give them away. Have a, a yard sale. Do something. But it doesn't make sense to let them hang around because there's no use for them. Paul says there's no use for bitterness or rage or anger or harsh words or slander. Get rid of them. It ought not to be named among those who name the name of Christ. And bitterness especially is, he has that at the head of the list. Unresolved conflicts can turn to bitterness. In fact, the, the, the word bitterness, you know, picria, it's, it's an interesting word. The, the, the Septuagint, which, which is the, it's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is what they use in Jesus' day, first century, in Paul's day. The word picria, the Old Testament equivalent is the word maror. Maror was the term that God used to describe the bitter herbs for the Passover meal. Now, if you're familiar with the Passover meal, um, if, if one of these days maybe we'll do uh, a Passover Seder and I'll walk you through a Haggadah and describe the elements. But what they were supposed to do is they were to take some bitter herbs and, and crush them up, right? But then they were to take you know, nuts and honey and maybe a little wine or something and put it in there with it to, to sweeten the mix. And then they would take the matzo bread and dip it in and eat it. And, and the reason they did that <clears throat> is because the, the bitter herbs were to remind them of the bitterness of their slavery. God didn't want them to forget how harsh and bitter and cruel their slavery was. But at the same time, he wanted them to sweeten it. So you don't just dwell on the bitter. You sweeten it. They were not to just focus on how hard and how bad they had in Egypt, but they were to focus on the sweetness, the goodness of God's deliverance. And then they, they could deal with it. But you see, what we have today is we have people who only think about the bitter. And they, they'll talk passionately, like in the 1619 Project, about how awful and racist and, and just downright decrepit our nation is. And they'll talk about the ills of slavery ad infinitum, ad nauseum, and they, they just don't seem to think about or remember the fact that uh, the, you know, as, as horrible as slavery was, the, the high king of heaven heard the prayers of the slaves and shook a nation to set them free. They don't talk about that. And so and instead, of, instead of being grateful to God, instead of praising him for his goodness, his deliverance, and worshiping him, they're steeped in bitterness and they're complaining and angry. 
And then they're calling for reparations, even from the, the people who fought to set them free. Bitterness does that. You, you forget the goodness of God because you just focus on all of the negative things. And you don't understand that, listen, what, what did Andre Cross say? If, if I never had a problem, I, I wouldn't know that, that he could solve them. Right? You know, I would imagine that, I mean, I've never been pregnant, ain't never going to be pregnant. But I understand that, ladies, help me out with this. When you're going through those birth pains, it is not pleasant, right? And it intensifies, the, the minutes get shorter, and the contractions get harder, right? And it's agonizing. And, and you might have said, never again. But when you have that little bundle of joy, you forget all of that, right? I mean, once they take it out and, and wipe it off, then, you know, you, you hold that little bundle of joy, and it's so precious, and, and you don't hold on to that bitter experience. Because if you did, each of you would have had one kid, right? Never again. You don't focus on the pain that you went through, but you look at the result and you say, this is good. And it's worth it. And then, of course, they grow up. And you find that Brother Middlebrooks might have been on to something. You know, he used to say, hooray, when those kids are born, they're so cute, you could just eat them up. But then they get older, you wish you had. <laughs> Ate them up. Right? But, you know, you focus on the joy. That's what we need to do. If you only focus on the bitter, then all of these other things will come about. That's why the writer of Hebrews, he says, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Don't short circuit the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. If you nurse the hurt, the anger will turn to bitterness. And then all kinds of things will break out of that. He says, be careful with that. Four actions that flow out of unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflicts can turn to bitterness, and they cause these things that Paul mentions. Wrath. Wrath is, is passionate, temporary, out. Bursts of anger. You just say things. Anger, and this 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 is a different word. This is ex anger expressed as a as a state of mind. Then he talks about clamor. Clamor is a loud outcry. It's, it's like when you yell and call somebody names because you're so upset. You insult them. Now that's different from panning. You know the boys we used to pan on each other all the time. That was fun, right? And sometimes you were paying, and if you were winning, they might hit you. <laughs> then y'all be fighting. But you're playing football the next day, you know. It's just one of those things. You yell insults at each other, and, you know, mama jokes aren't insults. They're, I mean, that's not clamor. They just, it's just fun. And then there's, did you say yes, it is? <clears throat> then there's slander. Slander is blasphemous verbal abuse. Or speaking evil of someone 
uh, you, you do take something they do and you are angry because of it. And then you go to someone else and you talk about them behind their back and you give a negative report and you say, I saw them there. They probably were doing this because, you know, they always liked and talked about and, you know, you just poison their minds against that person. That's what Satan does. That's why he's called Satan, slanderer, right? He accuses the brethren. That's why in Colossians 3, Paul says, put that stuff away. Right? Put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Get rid of all that stuff. Because nobody wins when you do that. <clears throat> if you nurse the hurt, listen, you just, you just give Satan uh, rent-free, let him live rent-free in your head. And that's all you do. You know, now, my, my son-in-law and daughter, they, they have a, a house um, that has four bedrooms, and they only need three. When we lived in Michigan, that fourth bedroom, my wife said, was her room because she would go down there whenever she felt like it to see the grandkids. Well, and, and Jimmy can's too, but, you know, the grandkids. And so sometimes she would call them up and say, hey, um, I want I want that TV in my bedroom. Hey, I want you to do this and put this in my bedroom. That's her room. See, it, it, they owned it, but that that's her room. You, you understand what I'm saying? Satan, if you let anger linger, he'll come, he'll move in, he'll stay in that room, and he'll draw on the walls. Right. And I love when my grandkids come, you know, and I don't care. They can bring all the Play-Doh and stuff they want. But when they bring breakout crayons, I get nervous. There's way too many walls in my house. And I don't want them to, you know, leave their regards on my wall. I don't want Satan hanging out in my head, drudging up stuff because I'm angry and I won't resolve the anger. What I got to do, I got to kick Satan to the curb. Now, how do you kick Satan to the curb? Well, let me end by giving you five, five ways to do that. Five ways to kick Satan to the curb. <clears throat> All right, number one, I say pay the price for same-day service, right? Now, you, you know about same-day service. So usually it costs you a little more, right? Now, if you wait, you know, three days, Five days or whenever snail mail gets it to you, it's free. But if you want it quickly, then they add a fee, right? Same-day service can be expensive. But listen, you ought to pay the price for same-day service. Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? And don't give the devil a room, a tapas, a place of residence in your house, in the heart, in your heart, in your head, because he will. Pay the price to get rid of it. Now, if the price is picking up the phone, calling up the person, and say, listen, I, I shouldn't have said what I said. I'm sorry. <laughs> say, well, they said some stuff, too. Well, well, yeah, but we're not doing tit for tat. We're doing resolution. 
So you're going to major on what you did, the part that you played. And you can't apologize for their part. You can't give them the grace to forgive you for their part. All you can do is take God's grace to you to forgive them for your part. So say, Lord, I'm not going to I'm not going to go to bed angry. <laughs> now, Phyllis Diller said, don't go to bed angry. Stay up and fight. But that's not what we're talking about. <clears throat> we want to resolve the anger, right? Not stretch it out. Number two, look at the ledger. Look at the ledger. Now, when I say look at the ledger, what I mean is, okay, you, you know, if you're doing your accounting, you say, if I forgive or if I pay back, right? Two different columns. All right, now, what's, what's, what's going to be <laughs> the consequences for paying them back? You say, I'll feel better. No, you won't. You never will. You never do. That's like trying to win an argument with your mate. It's not possible. No person ever wins an argument with the mate. Because even if you win, you still lose. You can't win that. So you just, you just don't, right? It's not worth it. You say, what are the consequences? We're not speaking. Uh, they may go shopping with my money. Uh, <laughs> you know, they may, I mean, there are all kinds of possible consequences. So you like, do I want to pay the price? <clears throat> Just don't do it. So, so you got to think about the outcome before you act. That's discretion. Discretion is, is looking down the road to see where you end up before you take the, thing, the first step. You got to envision, where's it going to take me if I go down this road? Look at the leisure. And number three, Ask yourself or say to yourself, and the winner is, right, who wins when you're angry, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer. You don't win. The person you're angry with doesn't win. The people who see you acting stupid or acting out your anger, they don't win. God and his glory and his reputation doesn't win. Who wins? Only Satan. He's the only one. So, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna step in and be a tool for the wicked one who hates your soul and theirs too, okay, you can. But why would you? See? So ask yourself, who's the winner? Number four, debit some grace from your Christ card. Christ has a card that has is, is unlimited grace, right? You need some grace to forgive the person? Lord, I, I, need, I need some grace. I'm, I'm upset. I don't like what they did, and I, I got to see them in about 20 minutes. <laughs> I need some grace. And God will give you the grace that you need to accomplish his will. He'll do it. So you don't have to say, I can't do that. Well, no, you can't. But he can. He's got all the grace you need. It's just you have not because you... Ask not. So ask him. Say, well, I want to be mad the rest of the day. I don't want no. See, you in sin. You don't need to be mad. <clears throat> you need to take the grace and forgive and be done with it. The goal is to have relationships. <clears throat> Whatever it is that you need, God will give it to you. You know, many times in my life, I know I got to end this, but 
many times in my life, I, I just, you know, I'll look at what I know the scriptures say about what God wants. And I know that, you know, I want to do a 45 degree angle, you know. <laughs> I, I know where you want me to go, but. <laughs> and so I say, Lord, strengthen my heart. I need you to give me the strength to say no to me so I can say yes to you. In fact, I like one, one guy, he said, he said, an honest prayer would be to say, Lord, your will isn't what I'm wanting to have right now, but I'm willing to be made willing to do what you want. And God's grace is enablement. He'll, he'll get you where he wants you to go because he knows it's good for you. And you just, you just have to trust him. The final thing, make room for providence. Make room for providence. I mean, you never know what God's doing. You never know. You might be like George Keith. George Keith was, George Keith bought a brand new BMW. In fact, he was, he was telling a story. He said, man, back in 2001, I bought this BMW, and man, that baby was sweet. He said, I drove it off the lot. I was going home that evening. He said, that thing slipped back in the first gear. Because I just bought this thing. And it slipped back in the first gear. And so he made a home. He called the BMW dealership. They said, oh, yes, yeah, a simple fix. Uh, it just takes three minutes. He said, well, okay, I'll drop it off on my way to work tomorrow. It's only three minutes. And he had an 8 o'clock appointment, so he said, I, I, I'll show up at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, he gets up. <clears throat> he drives to the BMW dealership. Nobody there except a few people. One of them, the guy that works in the, in the mechanic, he says, okay, uh, I need to get this fixed. And the guy says, I don't come home until 8 o'clock. <laughs> he said, what? Listen, he said, I have an 8 o'clock appointment. <laughs> it only takes you three minutes. Can't you do this? And the guy says, I don't come on till 8 o'clock. He said, you can come back at 8 if you want to. He said, it's not dangerous driving this car. Listen, I made this appointment. You need to do this. And the guy says, I'm not doing that. I don't know who you talked to about coming in at 7. I started at 8. I'm not doing it till 8 o'clock. His blood pressure. <laughs> Man alive. He had a few choice words on his breath, that guy. I thought the guy had to work on his car. So he sat there, stewing, all the way to 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, the guy fixes his car. He's mad. And he gets in and now, see, it's 8 o'clock traffic. So he's driving down the road. He's mad. He's stuck in traffic. And he had to call to apologize that he was going to miss his 8 o'clock appointment, which was on the 73rd floor at tower number 2. He said, I've never been so happy to miss an appointment in my life. See, what he, what he didn't know is that the God who saw him, who loved him, who watched over him, shut down his plans. To save his life. And see, some, sometimes, you know, we, we get so upset 
And we're angry and we're frustrated because we can't have our way. We can't accomplish our plans. Maybe, just maybe, God and his providence is keeping you from something that you don't need to be in. Maybe his blessing is falling on you. It just doesn't look like blessing right now. And maybe in the end, you wind up praising the Lord for his mercy. The anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. Father, thank you so much again for this day. Thank you for your word. Father, you deal with us in wisdom as well as mercy. You keep us even when we don't want to be kept. Even when we're too thick-headed to recognize your goodness. And Father, we, we struggle sometimes with, with letting you have your way. And, and we get angry about things when if we just could see it from your perspective. We could see that anger is a bitter pill to swallow. Anger brings pain and suffering internally. Anger can erupt in ways that bring damage to others. And Father, you want to keep us from self-harm and other harm. You want us to bring glory and honor to you, and you want to bring legitimate benefit to us. Father, we need to trust you in order for that to be the case. We need your strength, Father. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercies. Thank you that in your great love, you, you stepped down into our sin-cursed world and, and you paid the price for our sin, our angry, frustrated demeanor, which caused us to say, crucify him. You took it because that was the only way that we would be saved. And we're grateful for that. Lord, when we can't see our way, May we trust you. When we don't understand why you're leading us that way, may we follow you. And when we've gone down what seems to be a difficult way, may we trust you. May we cling and rely on you. May we love you because you first loved us. I pray, I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today, perhaps they, they can't say in all honesty that, that they know anything about the grace of God. That they've never been touched by that grace. They, they can't say for sure that if they died today, that they, they know that they have a relationship with you and that they'd be in heaven. Uh, Father, may it not end that way, but may this be the prelude to the recognizing how great you love them and your desire to save them. And may they say yes to you and come to Jesus. And Father, those of us who've received Christ, may we be careful to walk with you and follow you closely, leaving the outcomes to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.